Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Detroit is indeed the Motor City. This weekend, those motors will be propelling race cars downtown at obscene speeds. You're going to have people merging from 375 to Jefferson, going 25 miles an hour, turning into the tunnel, while cars are going 12 feet away from them, 185 miles an hour. For the first time in decades, the Detroit Grand Prix is on the mainland, showcasing a downtown that has changed. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. The first Detroit Grand Prix was held in 1982 in the streets of downtown Detroit, though racing in the city wasn't new at that time. The Michigan State Fairgrounds Speedway held races dating back to the late 1940s. In 1992, the Grand Prix moved from downtown to Belle Isle. WWJ Autobeat reporter Jeff Gilbert has been covering the race for decades. It was a huge street party, so even with a different course, that one thing will remain. It was amazing how many people came into downtown Detroit, and when it was Formula One, it was amazing how many people came here from all over the world. Ayrton Senna, a Brazilian driver, was really big back then. He won a number of races, and he had a lot of his fans coming in from Brazil. Those people could really party. In fact, they ruined one of our tape recorders by pouring champagne all over poor Greg Bowman, who works with us at WWJ right now. I mean, he got drenched in champagne. So it was a great street event. It covered much more of downtown Detroit than the race does now. It was a lot more disruptive. But the race now, the race then have that in common, that they're just a fun Detroit event. The race is back downtown for 2023, running along Jefferson and the riverfront. It encroaches on much less of the downtown scene when compared to its origins in the city. To get a feel for the track, I met Grand Prix chairman Bud Danker along Franklin Street near the river early one morning. Bud is the president of the Penske Corporation, owned by legendary Detroiter and racing kingpin Roger Penske. I start my day down here usually about 6.30 on the track to ensure that we're not having too much disruption to traffic. The track workers work from uh, 7 at night till 4 in the morning. So this is the overnight shift? The overnight shift, and that keeps... Bud mentioned days. how work on the track has been happening in the overnight hours. The original downtown track shut down the city. Bud says that is a thing of the past. When the race was back in the 80s and 90s here, the, the Formula One races and the IndyCar races, it went down Larned, it went down Woodward, went through the tunnel. You can't do that anymore. Our city has, has advanced so much from the, uh, the 80s and 90s to today that when we designed this track, it was, what's the least disruption? And because of this, we have very little business disruption. Everything north of Jefferson is open for our race. In fact, the Windsor Tunnel is open during our race. So you're going to have people merging from 375 to Jefferson, going 25 miles an hour, turning into the tunnel, while cars are going 12 feet away from them, 185 miles an hour. So that's the magic of the track, is that things were allowed to stay open. We picked a great circuit, circling the world headquarters of General Motors and anywhere you look. 
but it hasn't been easy because you got a lot of construction doing these roads. Our roads are not perfect in Michigan. The Detroit Grand Prix has seen many changes in 41 years. The layout of the track, the location of the race, and the league that participates in the race. It began as a Formula One race, but these days it's an IndyCar race. I sat down with 22-year-old IndyCar rookie Marcus Armstrong to learn about what makes racing so exciting to watch. Going to a race... I remember the first time I went to a race, even, the ground is shaking. The engines, the vibrations, it's, it's an incredible feeling, and it's electric. The whole aura of the paddock is it's addictive, really. I fell in love with motorsport because of that feeling of loud engines and fast cars and just cars going around corners at obscene speeds. I want to be an IndyCar for a very long time. I think it's an amazing championship that is only going to grow because of how great the racing is. The racing itself sells the sport. You know, you don't need to do anything extra because the racing is just so phenomenal and entertaining. Plus the personalities I think are amazing as well. So it's increasingly becoming a more European championship, like more European drivers are coming over, which is great. I think that a lot of young guys are gonna come over from Europe. So I feel like this championship is only gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm lucky to have jumped on board early. Marcus mentioned the personalities of the drivers. Well, he fits right in. You can put him on the list of people I'd love to have a drink with. I have a food blog that I've been doing sort of as I travel around the world. So I when, love this. When I was in Formula 2, I knew every cafe, restaurant, bar to go to at any one place, whether it was in Russia or Azerbaijan. You know, I knew exactly where to go. So I decided that I would start, you know, blogging. And now that I'm in America, new championship, new places, I've got no idea where to go. Like, I'm literally just on the internet constantly searching for the best coffee shop in town, which is easier said than done. So maybe then in, in year two or year three, we'll get back the Marcus Armstrong food blog in America? I'm still doing it. Good. Follow me on Instagram, boys. Screaming Meals. <laughs> Screaming Meals? Is yeah. that what it is? Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Standing on the track, we were just miles from where Henry Ford put the world on wheels. And Bud says from Friday to Sunday, there will be no better way to honor our roots. There's going to be six races that weekend. The Trans Am cars are coming back. These are cars that raced back in the 80s and 90s here. The, the, the Camaros, the Mustangs, the Challengers. The power of those cars, the sounds of those cars, he's on the streets, incredible. Imagine having a race set up here. So those cars and the thundering down Jefferson Avenue at 100 plus miles an hour is just going to be so cool for the Motor City. We are still the Motor City capital of the world, and those cars are going to race here. You're going to have the GT sports cars here racing here that weekend as well. So that's the Porsches, the AMGs, the Audis, the Hyundais, the Camaros, the Ford GTs, all racing here on Saturday. And of course, the Indy cars racing here as well, too. So, hey, these cars are loud. There's a reason why they're fast is because they produce off some uh, amazing horsepower. And I can't wait to hear that sound bouncing off our city skyscrapers, our city buildings, because remember, we're still the Motor City for many, many generations to come. There's no doubt the Grand Prix highlights Detroit as the Motor City. But I wondered about the big three's place in all of this. 
No better person to ask than Jeff. What about the auto industry in general here in Detroit? How important is a race for those companies? These cars are so modified. They don't look like the cars you drive on the street. But again, we're in the Motor City. This is a motor car race. I wonder what the value and the connection is. It depends on the car maker. This particular race, Chevy is very heavily into it. The vehicles are doing laps around their headquarter in the Renaissance Center. They're a title sponsor. They have a team, so it's very important to them. The other company that uh, it's very important to is Honda because they have a team as well, and they'll have a lot of their executives up here from Ohio and from California. Ford, not so much involved in this race, but they're involved in NASCAR and international racing, things of that nature. Most of the car companies are, are involved in some racing circuits. This one tends to be particularly heavy with Chevy and Honda. Earlier, Bud was talking about all the work that's being done on and near the track. Now, we all know I'm not the smartest guy around, but eventually, a little light bulb did flicker on. Does that mean that when the race leaves, it leaves Detroit a little bit better? I mean, are we improving the roads? These are all going to be open again. Absolutely. We have, we have repaved and re-engineered so many of the circuit, the 1.7 miles, you know, interestingly enough, General Motors owns Atwater Street. That's all been redone. You couldn't probably put a bicyclist in part of that lane because it was, it was so bumpy. The state owns Jefferson. It's all been repaved. The city owns the rest of the race circuit. So much of that has been repaved. So, so yes, the race is going to leave it much better off to when it leaves because of the race circuit being so much smoother. One of the reasons the race is back downtown is because the city wants to show off. Certainly. But there is more to it than that. I think that Belle Isle was exclusive. Belle Isle, you had to take a bus on. We could only get a limited number of people on the island, 25,000, 30,000 a day. Half the track was not even open. It was inaccessible. It was in a state park. That made it exclusive. When I brought this event with Michael Montreuil downtown, he had the idea, it was to make it inclusive. So half of the racetrack is open for free. That hasn't been done before. I'm not sure if we're going to have 100,000 people a day or 40,000 people a day. But anybody for free, bring your kids down, your grandparents down, your grandkids down, and sit along. You're going to see we've built high-risers along Jefferson Avenue, two feet off the ground to let people stand and watch the race, all for free. The riverfront is all free. The only place you got to pay is a grandstand seat or our chalets. So that's inclusiveness to my mind, and our partners have made that possible. Just like it is for the NFL Draft next spring, the Detroit Grand Prix is another chance to remind people Detroit is not what they think it is, no matter what people say. But it's also a chance to inspire the next Marcus Armstrong. Is the next great driver going to fall in love this weekend? That is fun to think about. Today's big thanks go out to Bud Danker, Marcus Armstrong, and Jeff Gilbert. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? Text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark, and this is the Daily J. Thanks for listening.